Welcome back everybody. This is Eric here with Iraq Veteran 88. Today we've got another gun gripe episode for you. I have a special guest with me today. This is Mr. Clay Cheshire of Munitions Law Group and we're going to be discussing some cool stuff today. We're going to be talking a little bit about what happens when you're in danger of losing your gun business. What the heck happens? What do you do? Revocation is what they call it. So when the ATF comes in and goes, you've been naughty, we have to take your gun license away. That is not a bridge you want to cross if you have a, have a choice, right? So we're going to be going into a little bit about revocation. So bear with us. I think you guys will find this video informative and you'll learn a bit. Uh, it's lawyer speak a little bit, but I think you'll enjoy it. So what are we dealing with when we talk about revocation? It's, you, you nailed it. I mean, so well, let's back up for a minute. <clears throat> so ATF uh, is the regulator that issues federal firearms licenses to applicants, right? They can be licenses to manufacture firearms, it can be licenses to retail firearms, it can be licenses to import. So they issue licenses to conduct a certain type of business. And they then, you have compliance obligations as a licensee, uh, record keeping obligations, uh, practices and procedures that you have to follow. ATF under the law has the right to conduct compliance inspections once per year. We usually see them do it once every three or four years on average. Um, and during those compliance inspections, they're going to identify whether or not you're compliant. If you're not, you're going to get written up for violations. Depending on the gravity of the violations, you could maybe get what's called um, adverse action against your license. It can take the form of a warning letter, which is when ATF sends you a letter and says, we're going to warn you, we found some violations, and we're going to warn you that if you continue with these violations, something worse can happen. Uh, the next step up from a warning letter is a warning conference. And that's when they actually bring you in to meet with the DIO, uh, the Director of Industry Operations at that local field office, and they sit down and they have a face-to-face -face with you and say, we had an inspection, we found violations, these are problems, what are you going to do to fix them? Don't do it again. And then the next step, and the worst one is, um, the revocation. That's when ATF says, we're going to take your license away. We're going to just revoke it. You're not going to have it anymore. And um, these things are, uh, they don't necessarily come in that order. I mean, you could have violations that are, you could be a new licensee that has violations that are so bad, um, relatively speaking, that they'll go straight to a revocation. Um, oftentimes we see it sort of take a graduated process where you start out with a warning conference and then you have a subsequent inspection and they find the same violations repeated or they find different violations but a lot of them and in that case they might revoke you and um, you know the, the issue with the revocation now that's a little different than it was six or seven years ago is that um, if ATF revokes you uh, at least in our experience right now you'll never have another FFL so if you're 35 years old you get an FFL it gets revoked you can't come back to them five years from now and get a new one after a cooling off period. So you want to avoid revocation. And, and we, you know, we don't have, I can't think of any clients I've had in the 17 years I've been doing this where um, they've gotten revoked, um, you know, because usually those clients were teaching them things and giving them SOPs and they're doing audits and stuff to prevent a revocation in the first place. We have clients who come to us and they say, we're getting revoked. Can you help us? And the answer is yes, yes. Um, there are things you can do to, uh, to avoid a complete loss of your business with no money whatsoever in your pocket, right? No, nothing in exchange for that. So 
That's what revocation deals with. Sure. You know, and it's, it's funny that you mentioned severity of each infraction, right? So, and that, that's interesting you mentioned that, is that a brand new FFL, you know, whatever, has only been in operation, let's just say a year and a half or whatever, a year or so goes by, bam, they get an ATF audit, and the ATF goes, whoa, 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 son, y'all are ate up, y'all are a soup sandwich, like, this is way wrong, there's spelling errors on the 4473s, there's, you know, oh, you you did this, you did that, and it's, it's a series of, it's a tapestry of bullcrap that just unfolds in front of their eyes. And then I guess it's someone's job to go, you know what, I don't know, Bob. Uh, I, think, I think these folks don't need to have an FFL because they're a bunch of irresponsible you-know-whats. So where's the fine line there? I mean, there's a big difference between someone who's just a complete soup sandwich in terms of compliance and then someone who is showing very honest and due diligence and it's just simply made a few minor mistakes that are obvious, you know, obviously just a human error that... They have to acknowledge because it's what they do. However, they can go, hey, we completely get it. We see why you did it. Like, they can see a series of events that would lead them to say, okay, we see why you did it that way. And you know, they're not dumb. They're going to call each, each case like they see it, basically. Well, I, I, to some extent, ATF has discretion. To some extent, they don't. And it depends on the nature of the violations. It depends on uh, the, the frequency or number of the violations. Um, there, are, there are certain... Um, internal policies that ATF will follow that evolve over the years, but, but they typically apply certain standards to determine what typically should happen based on a certain um, universe of violations. And so, but there sure. is discretion. And so, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm getting at with the solutions. You know, the, the one that, that we've been able to use pretty effectively, and it's not available in every case, but there are situations where ATF will revoke a licensee and um, the licensee can actually settle the revocation with ATF, where ATF will let them keep the FFL, not go forward with the revocation. Of course, there'll be certain conditions that are imposed upon the licensee, but the result is that the licensee continues to operate with an FFL, doesn't get revoked, which then puts them into that category of never being in the business again, and gives them a second chance. So that, that is one of the things that can be done. So, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I, I don't even know if this is the proper term for what I'm about to describe to you. Maybe you probably know it. But would that be almost where you would be into the point of having to have like an assurity bond? Like aren't assurity bonds where you put, put up like a certain amount of money that says you're going to do something a certain way? Well, is it sort of that thing? or well, well, that Am I thinking right? Well, ATF doesn't... doesn't um, fine people for, for generally speaking for regulatory violations and it, it, it doesn't require necessarily um, the posting of some sort of a bond that guarantees performance but what they'll do is they'll say we're going to impose conditions that you have to meet um, I've seen them go as far as to say you know you've got to have you've got to come train with us um, at our field office or, or at our, our, our you know headquarters or wherever um, or, they or maybe may, a class that the employees right. have to take. Stuff like that. They may actually require them to shut down for a little while. Sometimes they'll say, look, we, you've got to shut down for 30 days. You cannot sell firearms for 30 days. And that has, that's not a fine, but it, of course, has a financial impact on the licensee because they cannot sell guns for 30 days, and that shuts mm-hmm. down that part of their business. So there are, um, those are the kinds of conditions that we see. There are some situations, though, where... The, uh, you know, the violations are of a certain nature 
um, and maybe that licensee's had a history of non-compliance where settlement is not really a good option. Now there are some other things that can be done that will prevent the licensee from just giving up the license and getting nothing in return for it. You know, you can sell the business, you can find somebody to come in and sublease space to then um, retail firearms out of your premises and pay you rent. I mean, there's things you can do legally. ATF, of course, will know all that. It's done transparently. Um, but it's a better alternative than just, I'm out of business. That's right. You know, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, the, the ATF, and let's just say them saying, well, we were going to go for re uh, revocation, but we decided not to. At that point, though, I'm not saying it's, it's too late and that you can't do anything about it, because obviously you can, but aren't you kind of like on their radar permanently after that? Because, I mean, once they've sat you down and gave you the do this boy talk, you know, and then let's say something goes wrong and you make the tiniest slip up, they're going to be looking at you that much harder. Every single time they audit you, they're going to go over it with a fine-tooth comb, and they're going to be severe in the consequences if you do mess up, and you're always going to be on the radar from then on out. You will always be a permanent fixture on the radar, no matter how. It doesn't matter if your compliance is perfect for the next 10 years. It seems that you're always going to be like a blip on the radar. You know, and I don't know, I don't know that I necessarily think that that's how it plays out. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know that I've ever personally engage with an ATF inspector or DIO who is an anti-gun, wants to put people out of business type, type of uh, leader. You know, what I see really is an agency, an organization that wants to, um, wants people to be compliant, wants to give people a second chance, wants to work with them and provide information. And you know, you have your stories that we've all he heard and been part of. I've been certainly been part of some, some tough situations. But um, generally speaking, I, I really think that when ATF gives somebody a second chance, they're giving them a true second chance. Hmm. But it's up to the licensee at that point to demonstrate a sincere commitment to compliance. And that, that doesn't necessarily have to be demonstrated through perfection. Hmm. It can be demonstrated other ways. But um, I tell my clients and our clients when they're in this situation, if we're able to settle, I say, look, you're not going to get another chance. You've got to become the best licensee in this, this region, That's in this right. field office. And, and, that's and they gauge be your them goal. against each other, don't they? That's got to be your goal, right? Yeah. So, so that's what we tell folks. And, and I'll tell you one other thing. I mean, you know, over the years, I, I think a lot of, of licensees, you know, when you get revoked, you have a, a right to appeal it. So you can file a no, uh, an appeal letter and request a hearing, and ATF will give you that. And you will go to a hearing, and it'll be in front of a hearing officer who is an ATF official, and, um, so more than a field agent, more higher up. Well, it's going to be somebody who is higher up than just an IOI. Sure. And they're going to make a decision. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, we generally do not recommend that clients um, go all the way through with a hearing unless, unless ATF's made mistakes and we can demonstrate that with evidence. And unless they have you know, key violations that led to the revocation that they were incorrect on, right? Then in that situation, we tell the client, look, it's not a good investment of your time and money and energy to go to a hearing on your revocation. It's a better investment of those things for you to try to resolve the case or to try to find an alternative solution um, that at least allows you to not lose everything. Makes That's complete what we tell sense. People. You know, you can pay us a bunch of money to go to a revocation hearing, but I, I think that is not a good investment. Yeah. We tell clients that. Well, that's, uh, that's honest advice. You can't really go wrong with that. Generally. 
Not all the time. Right, yeah, and it is a case-by-case -case basis. Um, guys, we know that this video kind of went into some subjects that maybe some of you aren't familiar with or maybe it doesn't apply to you, but we felt it was important to discuss some of this stuff. Uh, maybe it'll help some of you be a little bit more informed as a gun owner. Maybe you're not on the level of having a federal firearms license yet. Uh, maybe you want to, and now you know that this is something that should be on your radar in terms of what's going through your mind. Uh, when it comes to starting a business like this. No matter what camp you fall into in terms of how you feel, maybe you learn something from this video and you can understand some of the inner workings of the 2A community and when it comes to the people that sell and deal in guns, uh, maybe it gives you something to, to think about a little bit. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for watching today's video. We hope that you guys enjoyed it. Uh, is that everything? We've pretty much covered the main... The main I think, I think we did. And and let me add to what you just said. I mean, sure. for, for those of you that aren't licensees, you know, you, you, you probably frequent certain stores and you have friends that are licensees. And, and I just want to convey to you that if you have friends who are getting revoked, um, there are options for these folks. And, and just, um, you know, we're always there. You can call us, um, find us on the internet, munitionsgroup.com. Um, we're here. We'll answer your questions. We, we rapidly deploy for situations like this, for every situation. So just reach out to us if you know anybody or have them reach out to us, and we can talk to them about options. Good deal. Guys, make sure you also go over and check out the Munitions Law Group YouTube channel. Derek over there, great dude. You'll know him when you see him. Big old Viking-looking dude. Uh, <laughs> make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel. There's a lot of great information that is inside the exact same wheelhouse as this. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. Make sure you check him out. Great guy. Uh, we'll have Clay back. Uh, this is not the end of our videos with him. Uh, if you'd like to hear this type of stuff, if there's more you want to hear or see, let us know. We'll be happy to make the videos for you. Uh, Clay is local to me, so it's not a terribly big deal to get him to come down. So I really appreciate you coming out, Thanks and uh, we really appreciate your time. Uh, I know that you're a busy, dude. Yeah, and you got a lot going on, but... Um, Go in the comment section down below and let us know if you have questions or if there's something we didn't cover or anything that we can maybe add to a queue and then maybe we'll try to get to it in a future video and I can maybe convince Clay to come back down and, and we'll knock it out. No convincing. All right. Always. This is fun. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody. Guys, thank you very much for watching today's video. We appreciate all of you. We'll see you next time.